Okay, hello everyone and welcome to episode 13 of Strangers in a Cinema. Uh, we've been away for a while, so apologies on that one, but I'm here, Paul, back with Pete. Hey, yeah, it's good to be back, man. Really good to be back. It's been like three weeks, or so, well, three and a half weeks, I guess. Three and a half weeks who's, from who's really counting? I mean, it's good to be here. Good to have the chance to talk about films again, really, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Um, and we've got loads to get through today. We have we? got loads to get through. So today we're going to go for a slightly change of format, ever so, ever so slightly different today, because... We've been away for a while, there's been a lot come out at the cinema, and we've managed to see quite a lot of it. So today, what you're going to get, we're going to rescue the six of the best that we had planned, we're going to rescue kind of like a feature discussion, and you're going to get a, a what, what are we describe now as a bumper, bumper review episode. So the bumper edition of reviews is going to be wall-to-wall reviews, just review, 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 then we're done, we're out. Um, yeah, as Paul's mentioned, we've got so many different things that are kind of awards contenders or are just sort of interesting. The films that get released, it's kind of a prestige time of the year, I think, this time mm. in the spring or coming towards the spring, late winter. Um, yeah. So we're going to have no shortage of things to talk about. And already we've got into some of these little chats off air about some of these things. Some of them we agree, some of them we don't. We want to know, you know, your take on the films that we're yeah, going to talk so about today we'll, as well. We will go back to the six of the best, the, I think, teacher-student relationships. I think that's quite a good subject to cover off. So we, yeah. will, we will make you, an effort to go You know as well, Paul, what, what for me is really exciting about doing this episode today is that um, I went away to London over the weekend, right? And I have this conversation, which I'm sure you can relate to all the time. It's a conversation that involves one incomplete sort of thought, which is have you seen and then the name of any number of films mm. and generally this is followed by a kind of silence through grunts people say no people are slightly annoyed at you that you've kind of watched every film <laughs> going and I'm, I'm tired of the have you seen conversation with maybe people who just don't devote half their lives to going to the cinema or, or watching things at home so what? people have got other things to do than I watch know, films I know it seems really immature to just like get into adulthood and do stuff not, not just watch with, films yeah. like having families and like relationships mm, that are bizarre. fully functional and things it's really odd but don't worry we're not doing any of that business we're watching films all the time so that you can enjoy us uh, chit-chatting about them on these here podcasts so uh yeah as we say good to be back uh, let's get into it so where are we going to start then well with that level of enthusiasm i reckon <laughs> what, what about like diving right into um whiplash this will get us going whiplash right because propulsive exciting building towards a climax um, yes I like what you've done there. Yeah, I mean... Very much like this show. This, very much so. This one we saw, I think, the longest ago of the things that we're going to go through today, but I think it's still relatively fresh, right? It's certainly stuck in my mind. Yeah, and we were just saying today that this is one film that we would both be happy to go back to for a second time in the theatre, and hopefully we'll get that opportunity. Um, for anyone who doesn't know about Whiplash, Paul set it up, what, what's this? So Whiplash essentially is about this kind of like jazz drumming prodigy who is... Eager it's exactly to, about that. Yeah, exactly, exactly about, about that. that. Eager to be the best at what he does. Uh, goes to a music school, is eager to catch the attention of the kind of premier instructor, I think. The guy that can make things happen the for scary, you. The scary, scary, very scary. Uh, very scary instructor played by J.K. Simmons. Um, and it's the story of those those two tumultuous, tumultuous relationship and what it takes to become the best in the world at something. Uh, and the interplay, I think, between the two of them is fantastic. We've got Miles Teller, who I think is going to be a very big star. And J.K. Simmons, who definitely deserves the Oscar for this performance. Yeah, man, I agree with you. Miles Teller, we've both now seen um, The Spectacular Now, mm. which uh, preceded this, and is a really strong performance by by that guy, and sort of showed potential for future stuff. And I'm glad that he's had this opportunity to really showcase what he's capable of. And, and like you say, I think he'll go on to even better things maybe in the future. We should mention as well, this one was directed by Damien Chazelle, who is a director of, I think, only 30, 31 years of age. Really exciting talent. Um, so a very young guy to make 
make a film this this accomplished. Really, yeah, you've put it perfectly. I think this thing is is so tightly um, cut together. The scenes are so carefully arranged. There's so much attention to detail. He's got so much focus in this thing on like beads of sweat and blood on symbols. Mars Teller suffers throughout the film because all that he cares about is being number one. And I think one, the, the, the reason it works so well is you suffer right there with him. I mean, yeah, you do. And it's just it's such a tense film. You'd think even if you're not into jazz or not into drumming you might think oh well, I'm not going to be interested in that we're not yeah. very little about either of those subjects I kind of you don't need to know that it grips you from start to finish some of the sound design is amazing and it kind of makes me want to know a little bit more about the subject it's that gripping a film absolutely and I think for, for the two of us you know we see um, Mars Teller J.K. Simmons and as guys who are into watching you know a decent amount of films we're hooked in at that point because we see the trailer those guys are involved great if you don't if you're not familiar with those actors for example many people might not be or Damien Chazelle the director this is wholeheartedly a recommendation to just give this thing a chance because it will surprise you it will excite you and it will just propel you through what an hour hour and a half hour 40 minute running time as if it were you know 45 minutes it really just breezes by builds to this really tremendous climax at the end of the film great final set piece and uh yeah like you said at the beginning of this little rundown it sticks in your mind. Oh, absolutely. I think, it's I think of, all the, of all the Oscars that have gotten big awards, contenders films that I have seen, and I admittedly I haven't seen all of them yet, uh, Whiplash certainly is the highlight for me and certainly one an early contender for me for film of the year. Yeah, I agree, man. Well, let's jump straight into the next review. I Which think is another W. It is another it? W. Yeah, this one might oh. be a bit more divisive, I think. Oh, yes. Uh, it is Jean-Marc Vallée's film, Wild, the follow-up to Dallas Buyers Club, which got all kinds of awards a year ago or so. Um, year, I think. Around about a year ago, yeah. Yeah, this one follows Reese Witherspoon on a journey of personal discovery. Um, she, well, I should say, Reese Witherspoon's heavily involved as both producer and star here because she had a big hand in bringing this thing from the page to the screen. Um, it's originally based on a memoir of a woman who, having gone through a kind of personal crisis, many things went wrong at the same time in her life, decided to take on the challenge of the PCT, which is the Pacific Coastal Trail, I believe, yeah. from Mexico all the way up to Canada. So like a thousand mile walk. It's, it's a, a way. way. It's yeah. a little way. A long way. But, but have a feeling that on this one, you were closer to walking out than walking oh, a thousand miles. Yes, I was closer to walking out than walking on the path with Wild. Yeah, it, it didn't work for me at all, really. And it was angry for quite a lot of the film, unfortunately. Um, I'll start with a couple of positives. I thought Reese Witherspoon was okay. I, the script she was working with, I have issues with that. Uh, but And the, it was fantastically shot. The scenery looked great. Very nice looking film. However, just the... And I understand it's an emotive topic, but the emotion was layered on like thick wallpaper paste. You had kind of almost like Instagram filtered shots of of her mother being ill and then basking in the sunlight enjoying her last moments and, and like Reese Witherspoon screaming at the top of a mountain because she was upset and it just for me it felt a bit like Paul Haggis's crash with that level of unnecessary massive amounts of schmaltz and overdone kind of trite emotion and it just annoyed me and that's not to say I think it's a terrible film because it really isn't but if you haven't got a strong stomach for schmaltz then stay well away right so We've talked about this off air. Obviously, we have different opinions on Wild, and it brought to mind this kind of this thing that I think about when I go to watch films, right? Which sometimes, not always, which is that 
you get somewhat into a film and you go probably one of two ways. Either you feel like, okay, I trust in this director, these filmmakers, these actors to take me on a journey to tell me a story that is authentic or believable or that chimes with me in some way. Or I kind of leave them behind or roll my eyes or kind of check out of the whole situation because to me it's emotionally inauthentic or dull or underwritten or overwritten or whatever it might be. And I think in the case of Wild, maybe listening to your words on this, I might. The thing is, I basically agree with what you're saying, but but it didn't harm the film for you. Well, for for me, I just went the other way okay. on on that on that fork in the road. I jumped um, out. You jumped in. Yeah, I think so because I see this as a yes, as you said, solidly made, not perfect. There's issues. I think at the beginning, it's chopped up quite a bit. There's a lot of flashback. It's kind of a bit a bit I great. We, a I think bit. we said the same thing about Dallas Buyers Club. He's, we did. He's a pretty much. He's a workman for me, at least. I, I think you agree with me on this one. He's a pretty workman like director. Well. He's a kind of like a perform. He delivers good performance films that don't really that could be made by anyone. Yeah, no, I, I take that point. I think he's a workman-like director, but that brings to mind this kind of like clunky. I mean, there's a film we'll come up, we'll talk about later. Yeah, on maybe that's unfair, very workman-like, yeah. but he's not a hack as such. But but, but uh, sorry, very beautiful workman, I guess. Yeah, uh, Jean-Marc Vallée in his, in what he produces. But yeah, I went with you like about um, Dallas Buyers Club. I wasn't blown away. I think we both agree it's kind of a three-star film. Mm. It's it's good, but not great. They're good performances, as you say. Three-star film, five-star performance. And you're right to say he brings really strong performances out of his actors. I think if if you say nothing else about Jean-Marc Vallée, you have to concede that. And if you that, say nothing about Wild, yes, you've got to concede that Reese Witherspoon is good with what she with what she does. Right, and, and just for me, I guess, where we differ is that I think this is quite a strong portrayal of a female, which is not unimportant because we have a dearth of female performances that are at least a centre stage in contemporary cinema, if you will. Um, a lot of times female characters are kind of peripheral. A lot of times their conversations relate to men or are tangentially related to their relationships or whatever. Mm. This is about one woman, her journey, her experience. And I just went with her and I enjoyed it. And I think that the emotional notes, by and large, rang pretty true for me. So, yeah, I just think there's that fork in the road, as I say. Mm. You went one way, I went the other Find out for yourself. Take that journey. Forgive yeah. the, the. If you have pun. seen it, obviously let us know what Take you Take the journey, yeah. If you get to the end and you want to puke on your shoes, fair enough. If you get to the end and you feel like you've you've experienced something or you've, you know, benefited somewhat from that experience, then great, because you're kind of with with me on this thing. Which I think brings us then to an experience that I don't think either of us benefited from uh, in the slightest. Um, I don't really know what I expected from Clint Eastwood's American Sniper, but it certainly wasn't what well, I've liked to coin Call of Duty colon American Sniper. Oh, what sweet a terrible Jesus, film. Oh, man. Like, th this is... It, I would say it's baffling that this thing's getting so much awards buzz, but it isn't baffling, is it? That's kind of the depressing reality. This is exactly the kind of film well, American get. Film Institute's a film of the year. Yep. Um, Oscar nomination for Best Mo Motion Picture. Oscar nomination for Best Actor in a Leading Role for Bradley Cooper. Now, <laughs> make no mistake, you know, we could be wrong. You could go and see this thing and think this is the best film that I have ever seen. You will be wrong if you feel that way, <laughs> but you can still do that. This is a leaden... If you, you mentioned the word work, workmanlike earlier on, man, he's an 84-year-old workman. He can barely lift his tools at this point. I mean, Ouch. it's just like clunky TV special it does feel that way it's like this is an action scene this is a drama scene this is an action scene this is a drama scene the politics of the film are problematic and you shouldn't necessarily always talk about the politics we should, we're should. we not a politics podcast but when they're that 
obviously everything's politics man. everything but everything about this film is flag waving gung ho American war is great everyone who lives in the Middle East is a savage yeah I mean they throw the word savage around an awful lot and, and I've read and heard that Chris Kyle the guy on which this thing is based um, this is of course America's greatest sniper or at least most prolific killer of people with a sniper rifle in American military history uh, I think he's credited with about 160 60, odd uh, yeah. kills good for him um Chris Kyle has sort of bragged about his kills, as, as far as I've heard, and sort of does support the actions that he's taken. But, you know, that's neither him nor there. Because for me, the politics, as you said, we're not, that's not what we're going to focus on too, too much. But the politics thing don't really matter when, at a root level, it's just bad filmmaking. If this was a well-made film and you have a problem with the politics, a lot of people kicked up a fuss about Zero Dark Thirty. Mm. You put these side by side and that is a masterpiece. Or Hurt Locker. Or the Hurt Locker. Locker. Absolutely. It's it's just clunky. At least make a good film. At least make a good film. And everybody knows that Clint Eastwood makes kind of clunky films at this point. But man, this has reached a a pinnacle. And I don't know if I'll... If he puts out, you know, if he put out a film in a year, I don't know if I'm going to rush to see it. I mean, I probably will. I well, my my problem is, it just, it's kind of, it could have been like this anti, could have been an anti-war film, could have been a sort of, it could have actually meant something. Instead, what we get is essentially a series of subpar sort of computer game cutscene sniper battles where there's no risk to anyone because he's miles away. Some really awful pantomime villains that again could have walked out straight off of Call of Duty. Um, and it just it, none of it rings true it's all far too over the top and if it had been pushed as kind of like a shitty action film with Bradley Cooper as a sniper I might have gone do you know what that was okay it wasn't pushed as that it's trying to be something that's not and it's just not very good and I think sometimes stillness and silence leaves you to read a lot in for yourself so a lot of the performance by Bradley Cooper has been read as this great performance because it's all sort of still you know he's stoic You, you he's sort of um uh, inscrutable as a character but there's nothing there I'm just my takeaway there's nothing there the performance is pretty shallow Sienna Miller's performance is pretty terrible and yeah as we've said I think at this point we've said enough it, it just a, a leaden just avoid. dull effort avoid well let, let's pick this up a little bit let's get to something that we did enjoy a little bit more yeah let's just try and go back to a positive yeah Ex Machina Ex Machina yes so Ex Machina is the directorial debut of one Alex Garland that you may or may not know for being the screenwriter of, for example, The Beach. Um, And he wrote the novel The Beach is based on as well. Yes, absolutely. And he has worked a lot with Danny Boyle. Um, This is kind of where he, guess, has made his name in British and international uh, film, the film world. And this one, yeah, is him behind the camera for the first time as director and one of our most anticipated films of 2015 that is a good point yes Yes. was on that list Um, what did I think I liked it I think it was good without ever being great I think I don't know quite what they could have done differently Um, except maybe and we have talked about this just the kind of did she have did the robot have to be a sexy lady robot probably not does that kind of take away from it a little bit because we've seen that we've seen this so many times before where the guy sort of finds the the AI attractive Oscar Isaac's fantastic in it Dom Donald Gleason is great in it there's, there's a lot there's a lot to like about it there's some great visuals but it just something just didn't quite ring true yeah man I mean this thing is as uh, again I've just quick setup Donald Gleason's character is whisked away in a helicopter he's won some kind of prize he has to go to a far-flung place he um, meets uh, Oscar Isaac's character who's sort of an eccentric billionaire I guess with some mean dance inventor, moves who's a great dance move yeah. brilliant dance moves you go for nothing else there's a lovely little dance number in there uh, get involved 
but yes, um, and he has to do these experiments, tests, interviews to find out or to take basically the Turing, the Turing test, test. with yeah. which, of course, Alan Turing's film has been in the press recently. But um, to find out if Alicia Vikander's character, who is this sort of sentient robot, is in fact capable of human feeling. Um, and the, the film's kind of episodic, isn't it? It's sort of, he goes into the interview room, then he comes out and has a bit with Oscar Isaac. And that, I think, actually, I'm out. not normally a big fan of episodic structure. I think that at times well, I think it's... friggin' it's, terrible in American Sniper, but I yeah, th- here, I think it, I think at times it's very lazy and I don't always enjoy it and I think it kind of indicates to me like a lack of strength in writing. But for me, it worked really well, actually, and I thought yeah. the episodic structure, structure built tension and without trying not to spoil it, it just, for me, it's just a shame it drifted into this kind of generic ending that I was hoping it would askew. Yeah, I think that um, it's very promising because mm. I think as, as a bit of direction, as a, as a, as a work of the, the director, Alex Garland, I think this signals really big things for the future. And I, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if Alex Garland's next couple of projects sort of, sort of grow and grow in size and mm. budget, if that's the way that he wants to go. Maybe you hope that there's a balance there and he gets to do smaller things like... I guess this is a smaller thing to you know in in today's yeah. Uh, yeah. blockbuster world, but it, yeah, it kind of is reminiscent of things like a Portal, the video game, with the kind of shiny surfaces and kind of mm. uh, the, those all the little sounds that the robot makes when the doors open. These things, so very close attention to detail, pristine location, good performances, interesting story, thought provoking story, but maybe just in the end a little bit flat at points. Yeah, I just thought it, it just. It, it was hope it just went a little bit too generic towards the end, and there's nothing. There's not always anything wrong with being generic, but I was expecting maybe because it was Alex Garland's debut, maybe I was hoping holding out too much hope for it. And I'm not saying that it's bad. I just think there was potential for a great film, and what we got was a good film. Right, where to go next? We have got well, we can go. We can go Kingsman. What about Kingsman? The Secret Service. This one, Matthew Vaughan's follow up to what now? Kickass, I guess. Yeah, it was so you made something since you. then? Um no. No, I don't think he has made a film since Kickass, has he? No. No. Our producer Connor gives us the X. That means absolutely not. Decisively or he might not. mean X Men first class. Oh <laughs> <laughs> so so easily misunderstood. Yeah, so easily misunderstood. Yeah, no, he is absolutely right in his mime. Um yeah, X Men First Class, which it was quite good. I don't care too much about the X Men. No. But yeah. But King, and also Kingsman marks uh, Matthew director Matthew Vaughan's second collaboration with Mark Miller because I believe Kingsman is a Mark Miller comic book. Yeah, that's right. Um, it's what's the young guy's name in it? The act, the lead actor in Kingsman. Uh oh god, Taron Taron, but he's got a really common name. That's the name of another actor. Oh shit! We should have written this down beforehand. Taron. Yeah, you know the guy. Taron yes. is in it. The young guy in Kingsman. A star is born there. Yeah, this guy um, making his kind of professional debut as an actor, as far as I know, right? He was on Jonathan Ross, and he seemed sort of very starry-eyed yeah. and, and excited about the whole thing. Playing a working-class teen who is brought into the life of the Secret Service by one Colin Firth, and everyone's saying. Look at Colin Firth playing against Tyke. Never seen him like this before. We did see Before I Go to Sleep about three months ago, but no spoilers. But that isn't Colin Firth playing Bridget Jones's diary. No, and it it's an okay film. It's a lot of fun in places. Matthew Vaughan can throw together some decent set pieces. For me, it just felt a bit too much like Kickass, just done over again in a slightly different setting. And I love Kickass, and it, for me, it just wasn't quite as good as Kickass. 
there were some weird sort of jokes. The tone flips around a lot all over the place and not all of it particularly works. It just felt like Kick-Ass kind of 1.5. Yeah, I mean, I think you're right. I think there were, there's clearly like really slick action stuff here. There's the skydiving scene that I thought was really well done. Mm. Um, a lot of the use of like technology is really fun, like little devices. And, and watching kind of Kick-Ass like was, was quite entertaining. Yeah, I... I I don't think I'm in the Matthew Vaughan camp, really. I don't think I'm going to take out membership. I feel a lot of the time watching Kick-Ass, watching this, maybe less so X-Men First Class, but there's this need to be kind of cool. I feel like Matthew Vaughan's always looking at the audience like, I'm cool, right? This is cool, right, guys? 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 Teams? Cool? <laughs> yeah, it's cool. And and also, I don't think that the, the working class stuff in this is pretty, is pretty paper thin. It's not really... It's not really written by a person who seems to have any understanding of what it is to live in uh, in a city or mm. come from like a working class background. And I'm not claiming that I do either, but like I've got professional experience working with people who come from those backgrounds. And you know, so maybe someone who's grown up with the likes of Guy Ritchie, as Matthew Vaughan has, and obviously made his break with with producing on mm. Lockstock and Snatch and stuff like that that just sensibility doesn't really work for me because it seems sort of style over substance and we can't before we finish this review i, I kind of have to mention that there are a couple of jokes in this thing that really felt uncomfortable to me not least and this has been talked about a lot but the one with the swedish girl near the end of this thing yeah I, i'm not going to say anything more about the you know plot points obviously no, it just seemed, and again it just it's it's a bizarre it's bizarre but it's ultimately does that really matter? It's, it is a fun throwaway but, action film but, and but, it works on that level. But Paul, I think it does matter because I think that Matthew Vaughan, okay, he doesn't have some great societal, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like he's not sort of providing an example for the youth of the UK or the world. I get that. He's a film director. He makes entertainment. But at the same time, using that kind of scenario and that kind of talk, particularly about women in a film that's clearly targeted at young teenagers I think he's pretty irresponsible and on that point I will actually no, well. you know what I will concede I hadn't looked at it that way I will concede to you on that point I think that's a, that's a very interesting yeah, point and, I mean, and worth raising I mean people can get more into this hopefully with us you know after they've had a chance to listen to the show and, and get back to us through comments and stuff if you have an opinion we'd be really interested to hear it but it's impossible to talk about in any more detail just because you don't want to spoil the plot but yeah slick good fun for the most part some really bum notes um, and it's desperate to be impressed it's an entertaining Saturday night sort of film but not much more than that yeah yeah fair and it's nice to see the girl from Street Dance 2 getting uh, get gazelle the girl with the uh, the prosthetic yep. legs in this oh a scene as well entirely ripped off from itchy the killer i'm just going to throw that out there for yes. what it's worth which is very little but um let's move on what have we got still in the chamber shall we go shall we let's let's have a look at inherent vice shall we because well, I... sh shall we or do you want to bash out the interview first of all because I feel like Inherent Vice is kind of a bit meatier. There's a bit of meat on there, something to get into. Whereas Inherent, uh, it, it, the interview seems a bit like fluffy. Let's fluffy. let's go with the interview then. Let's, okay, let's go with the interview. So the interview, um, you probably are aware of the absolute shitstorm that was created over this <laughs> film's release when um, when there were threats against theatres showing it. Sony pulled it from release, or did they? Yeah. Then they or pulled it from there? release. I mean, were there any threats, or was it just all publicity? Or did they? Who knows. Or was it uh, publicity for what actually has turned out to be a mediocre comedy in a completely toothless satire? 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that is... You, you've cut to the quick on that one, Paul, because the, the huge storm of controversy, like you say, about this. And ultimately, this thing, A, has little to nothing to say about the North Korea situation. B... That li- isn't already out there. Yeah. B, little to no interest in it. And C, neither of A or B particularly matter, because this is a sort of workable... Uh, Seth Rogen and uh, James Franco comedy of the likes that you've seen them do a number of times now. If you like Pineapple Express, you will like this film. If you like uh, Judd Apatow stuff in general, you'll probably like this film. I mean, is there much else to say? And it's, it's got some. It's got some laugh out loud moments. Yeah, I don't, and I don't mean it to sound like that's no, terrible. And I, I like of, those things enough. I felt like I might have sounded a little bit harsh on it. It, it, it gets, it's just throwaway. You know what to expect. You'll watch it and go, ha ha. That was right. Yeah. And I just think if, if the, the morons that had threatened the cinema had left the film alone, it would have sunk on its own volition. Yeah. And I think, it, to be honest, the thing that I'll remember from all this is just, it's a bit of a shame that, like, real world politics had to be dragged out for something that it's not worth all that fuss. Because the situation, and I talked about this when we brought this up, I think, before, but the situation in North Korea, in case you didn't know, which everybody, I, I, I would hope at this point, does is undoubtedly one of the most sort of gravest humanitarian disasters on earth. This film has nothing to do with that. It, yeah, it says that it's about interviewing the Well, North well, Korean. there's some fake shop fronts. Yeah, yeah, there's a bit of Korean text at the beginning of it in a CGI <laughs> building. But apart from that, it's like dick jokes. There's some dick jokes yeah. in it. Stink dick, that comes up early on. If that's your, your you know, buzz, if you like the, the kind of stink dick jokes, then get involved with yeah, the interview. Yeah, and again, it's, it's an okay throwaway kind of 90 minutes, but it just seems to be a, a gross-out comedy with North Korea attached oh, to it. Oh, Masters of Sex, what's she called? She's in it. She, you know, you know who I'm talking about. No, never mind. Um, yeah, moving on, moving on uh, quickly from the fact that I, the only thing I can remember about this film is that there's an attractive girl whose name I don't remember. But remember, Wild, yes, Wild is an empowering tale of one yes, woman yes. who gets some screen time when usually there. Yes, you remember that, Pete. Yes, Lizzie Kaplan is gorgeous. Let's move on. Um, <laughs> inherent Vice. If you're out there, Lizzie, Pete unfortunately isn't available. <laughs> In, inherent Vice is the towering, or is it? New work from Paul Thomas Anderson, the namesake of our very own Paul Anderson. Yes. And just like our very own Paul Anderson, this thing is a just world, a wonderland of interesting, engaging discovery. Am I right? Right. Well, thank you, Pete, to start with. Um... See what I've done there? See, because I've complimented the film, complimented you, but now set you up to a point where you've got to try and refute that stuff. He is almost not almost far and away one of my favourite directors working today. Uh, I absolutely love his back catalogue of films. There Will Be Blood is one of my favourite films of all time. I think Boogie Nights is an interesting touchstone on this one. Boogie Nights is absolutely hilarious. Inherent Vice, mm, I don't know. I, it is a good film. It's well made. It's fantastically shot, as you would expect from Paul Thomas Anderson. There's some interesting ideas in there. I just couldn't. I just found the whole thing a little bit too meandering. And not really going anywhere. And I found myself just thinking of, oh, these kind of kooky characters. It's a bit like, it felt a bit like a Coen Brothers film in places. It just reminded me a bit of The Big Lebowski. Kind of like the, the PI kind of investigation side of it. Sort of heart back to Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Certainly the comedy elements in it I didn't think were that funny. And certainly nowhere near as funny as comparable kind of characters and scenes in Boogie Nights. I, it's, it's the first time I have to say, and I'm quite sad to say it, on first viewing at least... 
I came away a little bit disappointed from a Paul Thomas Anderson film. Okay, my take on this thing, Inherent Vice is superb. Um, yeah, I, I want to try and address your points directly, but again, we can just, I think it's, it's fair to say that, again, we'll probably get to the same point. You know, you, you experience similar things, mm. but you just fall a slightly different way. You, you said, like, this thing is a bit rambling or directionless. Meandering, I think something. Yeah. yeah, meandering is the word, yeah. And I think, yes, you're absolutely spot on, but it's supposed to be meandering. He's he, This thing is is absolutely the desi- designed in the way that he intended this to be designed. It's rambling, it's all over the place, it spins out of control. You it, Sometimes it's completely incoherent. Sometimes you don't understand which character connects with which other character who's referencing another one, which is all by design. If you go with it, or if it hits you in the right kind of slightly uh, altered part of your brain that can just follow along with, with these threads, don't worry too much about where the plot's going. Just let the experience of this thing happen to you. And yeah, I, I mean, my takeaway from the film, if I were to summarise, is that Paul Thomas Anderson is such a great film director who is living now and making films now of such a high quality that I'm just grateful that he exists. And I, and I agree with you on that one. As I said, he is, you know, far and away one of my favourite directors. I just yeah, Inherent Vice just just didn't grow in the same way that all of his other films have. Inherent Vice didn't didn't pick me up and grab me in the way I wanted to be picked up and grabbed. Well, will you concede though? Great performances, right? Fantastic performances. Joaquin Phoenix is yeah. back in a, yeah. in, a, in a big way. Very, not very not good. that he wasn't already, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, with this and the Master, obviously, mm. um, in, in recent history, uh, the is it Michelle Waterston is that the name of that? Catherine Waterston. Excuse me, Catherine Waterston. Catherine Masterston, in fact. Is that right? I think so. Yeah. Anyway, she's great. Yeah, really, really good. <laughs> we, we need to write down the names of some actors yeah. and actresses, man. But you know what? In the world of Inherent Vice, it wouldn't matter anyway, would it? Because no. the names of people don't matter. You scroll that stuff with a crayon on a little bit of paper that you lose later on or you throw in the ashtray. It doesn't matter. And this film made me think as well. And maybe this, um, again, we're going to d- diverge, I guess. It just made me think, like, this guy, Joaquin Phoenix character here uh doc of course thomas pynchon wrote the source novel of this we shouldn't skip over that fact and and uh i think i'm gonna go back to the novel now that i've seen the film but um doc is living his life this is what i took away from this film doc is living his life because yes his life is kind of ridiculous and his health and safety is always in danger and he's always kind of pinballing from one thing to the other but he's living his life and i thought that like paul thomas anderson with making this movie is maybe as well slight there's a sadness to it there's a sadness i think about the kind of slightly anodyne uh inane world that we increasingly live in where everything is standardized and computerized and regular and everybody's in there in a sort of little box doing you know a nine to not a nine to five job per se because we're the end of the the 60s but you know, in this film, characters are just kind of living and they're going from one place to the other and they're aware that the 60s are going. The 60s are in, like, the rearview mirror and the 70s are upon us and it's in 1970, right? Those things are sort of rapidly disappearing into the past. But I felt like the guy is alive. The guy is doing some stuff. Yeah, and I said his, his performance worked for me. It's just, I think if... And um, for it to be meandering is fine, and I don't, I don't fundamentally have a problem with meandering films. I just think if you're going to have a film that there's this meandering... Maybe it could have been a little bit shorter. Well, I would, no, I would agree with you, but like I would say, 
that exact point if it weren't P.T. Anderson. But when it's mm. P.T. Anderson, I think, do whatever you want. Go <laughs> yeah. wherever you want. Make this an hour longer. I don't care. Make it even more incoherent. I'll go with you. It's the same way that I'll, you know, give David Lynch three and a quarter hours of my time when he made Inland yeah. Empire. No, a lot of people, fair, yeah. you know, just slap their... And I think if you are interested in film, then go and see Inherent Vice and make your own money. Because like, it is a fantastically well-made film. Just be intrigued to see what... How yeah, just, get, just get your own opinion. I mean, as we say with a lot of things, but particularly something this kind of interesting and kind of um, overpowering, I guess, in mm. a way. There's a very strong sense to the whole thing. Um, what else have we got? Any bits? And, oh, yes. I wanted to get this in before we sort of wrap up the show for today. I got to see Boyhood. You watched Boyhood? Yes, Well I did. done. Yes, I did. Like, <laughs> weeks, months late, because this, if you've uh, listened to our Best of 2014 episode... It was picked on Paul's list at number one, which is a fairly decent. Now, I want to say to the the people out there listening, I did say he wasn't allowed to mention it because we've talked about it more than once, Who and cares? he was just like he was like, no, Who I cares, must talk man? about Boyhood. So Who go, cares? yeah, we should talk more about Boyhood. I'm not going to go into it much. Just to say, <laughs> if you haven't seen Boyhood, sort this out. Find you find a way. I think it's. Blu-ray it's, available it's soon? Out, it's out on home release now. It's yeah. out on home release now. Yeah. Fantastic. Get involved with that. It'll be on streaming services, I'm sure, in the near future. Um, I got to see this in a the cinema. They brought it back for a repeat run. Man, like, you put this at number one of 2014. I put Under the Skin at number one. They're so different. So different. But yeah. I would not concede. It's not about that. But I would say, yeah, this is my number one film of 2014, despite the fact that I didn't see it till the early part of 2015. It is a fantastic it's film. An astonishing it's achievement. an astonishing achievement. It. And and just all of the, the sort of, put aside any idea of it being a gimmick about using 12 years and you know meeting up with the same actors. No, this thing is going to resonate with families, young people, with older anyone. people, parents. It will, it will resonate for, with absolutely For anyone. decades, man. Like you talk about, or I talk about P.T. Anderson having longevity, which I think he does have. Richard Linklater has done something here which is just going to stick around and people mm. are going to come back to this and come back to this and come back to this. And I want, I wanted more of it. I wanted five hours worth of Richard mm. Linklater. I'd be intrigued to see if the director's cut does surface at some point in the, uh, in the future. Superb. Anything else? Have you seen anything else recently that we haven't mentioned? Let's get it out there in the open. Confess anything now. <laughs> Silence. I'm sure there's been other things. Haven't we talked about other things? That's it. That's it. All those films. Can I mention one more film? One more film and then I'm done. You can, yes. This is a small thing, a fairly small thing, that I think is worth a bit of attention. Uh, check it out if you get the chance. It's called What We Do in the Shadows and it's and it stars Jermaine. You know Jermaine? From, from uh, Flight of the Concords. Flight of the Concords, yes. And... Actually, I know other people that have seen this and said it was a lot of fun. Yeah, What We um, Do in the Shadows is a lot of fun. It's basically uh, a sitcom... It's sort of feature length, like an hour and a quarter, hour, 20 minutes, a sitcom about vampires sharing a flat and living sort of very banal lives and bickering and trying to deal with the very real problems of like drinking human blood in the actual world where there's going to be some sort of consequence. So is it a little bit like a on. slightly more comedic Only Lovers Left Alive kind of Very, stuff. very much more comedic Only Lovers Left yeah. Alive. If that is like a sort of straight-faced vampire, this and the kind of hipster straight-faced vampire, that one, this is a yeah, kind of j- jokester, prankster vampire. Um, a lot of fun. I mean, if you're a fan of Flight of the Concords, you're straight in on this one. Yeah. Um, and if you like vampire mythology and or comedy check it out because I don't think it's going to get any major cinema release perhaps 
but yeah, it's a little hidden gem, I think. So I there's a to... Kickstarter campaign to try and get it a US release at oh, the cool. moment, as far as I'm aware. So cool, cool. Yeah, I think that it's. If any on... of our many, many stateside listeners are interested in seeing that film, then obviously uh, check out the check out the Kickstarter. Yeah, page. man, and like I'm glad you mentioned that stateside followers, for example. <laughs> we do have some, you know. I look at the stats. Um, before we go out on this episode, before we draw a line under this one, I think it is a good time, probably to just thank people for taking an interest in what we're doing. Right? Yes, uh, the the listeners, uh, the amount of listeners we get, we're, st- we're still not massive, we're not we're not kind of podcast superstars don't yet. Do it, don't do it down, man. Um, Every tree from a single seed is born. From a tiny, tiny seed, great oak trees are born, Paul. But no, and we just want to thank everyone for listening, that has listened thus far, everyone that's given us a bit of, a bit of love uh, thus far. Just thank you very much. Yeah, and I think that... We get some good feedback already on the show and from friends and from friends of friends and stuff like that. That's fantastic. And seriously, it just means the world to have people actually pay an interest in us chatting about films. Mm. We we want to make this or show... Or me just presenting awkward silence when asked what other films I've seen. <laughs> yeah. I have seen many other films. I just couldn't think of any at that precise moment in time. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, we hope that you're willing to keep handing over your zero pounds every two to four weeks for, for the new episodes that we throw out there. We'll work to make this show better. If there's anything that we've, you know, not covered, you want covered or etc. etc. you get the drill, please get in touch and we'll make sure that we find ways to squeeze those things into future yeah, shows. Absolutely. Um, right. Yeah. How can people get in touch with us, Paul? People can get in touch with us either via the website, www.strangersinthecinema.com, which we are working on. And No one writes the three W's anymore, do they, I reckon? They just put Strangers in a Cinema. Yeah. com. We're, we're down with the internet and stuff like this. We've yeah. also got Twitter, at Strangers Cinema. Yeah. Um, you can uh, find us on iTunes and many other popular streaming services. Yeah, the podcast is iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, uh, Double Twist, basically all the places where people get podcasts from these days. We've got into those places, so that's great. All the episodes from the archive are on SoundCloud on our page, which is uh, Strangers in the Cinema as well. So you can search yeah. that. Uh, get us on Facebook. We're always on Facebook checking that thing. So, you know, we'd love your comments and suggestions, etc. But I think that basically does it for today, doesn't it? I think that does it for today. We'll be back in a fortnight this time. Yes. Uh, with a six of the best, with more of a feature discussion. But we just wanted to get those films out there. We've seen them. We wanted to share our thoughts with you. The new releases is going to calm down over the next month or so anyway as we lead into the horrible dry month between award season and summer. Summer, yeah. So um, we'll, yeah. we will cover sort of more classical films we might do a couple more specials indies shorts yeah. all that good stuff's going to be coming back yeah. in but we just had so much to get through today it had to be this bumper review episode these films will probably come up in future shows let's be fair and we'll reference back to them and chat on them mm. later on but except yeah, for American Sniper yeah fuck that thing <laughs> um, yeah I hope you've enjoyed today's show from me Pete and him Paul uh, we're out thank you very much <laughs>